0: St. Louis, you are listening to yet another edition of the, Uh, wait a minute, no old habits die hard. This is not the dollars and cents show, but it seems like every time I come to the studio, I should be hosting it because I've only been doing that show for about 26 years. No, no, it's just the voice behind that show is filling in tonight. That would be me. Yours truly, Dave Simons, and I'm so glad to be with you on this Wednesday evening as we approach the Christmas weekend. So I get a text from the uh, head honcho around here, Steve Moore, just yesterday. And he said, hey, can you fill in tomorrow night from 8 to 10? And I love, I love doing that. I have filled in a couple of times during the weekday. But mainly when I fill in, it's it's a nighttime gig like this. And I love it because I get to spread my wings a little bit. I I I'm so myopic, of course, in what I typically do when I host a show, and that's relegated to my expertise, which is financial matters, right? It's economic issues, investing, all of that stuff that um, I have hosted that show off and on for close to 26 years. But when I get a chance to sit in this studio seat on a weeknight, everything's fair game. And I get to be a re- I get to play real radio host, not some. I'm a pretend radio host, frankly, when I do the financial show because it's sort of a a side gig. And again, I I I'm very specific in what I can talk about on this show. But here, anything? Do I want to talk about sports? Yeah, I guess. But I'll leave that to Kevin Wheeler. Um, I can talk about current events, which we will. Should we talk politics? Oh man, that's a tough one. I don't think you can ignore it, at least sort of how politics plays a role in other things in our life. And you'll see there's a little bit of a theme to that tonight in some of the issues that I'll be talking about. But no, the last thing that you need is another guy here just bloviating about politics and taking a side. And that guy, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, your guy is a socialist. Well, your guy is a fascist. And oh, turn down the noise, right? You know, I um I am proud to say that I ha- I stopped watching nightly cable news shows more than a year ago. More than a year ago. And you have to know that I had an addiction to it because I I just I I love current events, I love news, I love politics. But I wasn't I wasn't being informed anymore. I was being yelled at. By both sides, and I've always gone both sides. Yes, I, I have um, very clear personal opinions on things, like everybody, and I'm certainly on one side politically, but I've always had a curious mind. I've always had an open mind, and I've never been an ideologue, and so I have no problem at all engaging in reasonable discussions and debate with people on the other side, and yet— we're not getting that anymore, really. You certainly don't get that by watching the cable news shows. You used to be able to. Seriously, you could, you could watch a little bit of Fox News, and then you could watch a little bit of CNN and feel like you were getting informed. But you don't learn anything. I'm just telling you. And I know some of you are thinking, Dave, so if you're giving up watching the news in the evening on cable news. How are you staying informed? Uh, yeah, there are so many other ways to do it because you're not getting information by watching those shows. So the point that I want to make is I I am as informed as anybody, but I don't have to go to those nightly cable shows, and my life has been so much better because of it. If you have that issue too, and you feel like your blood pressure is going up every evening, try it. And don't just do it for a day, do it for a week, a month, and then you'll realize you don't miss it. And you find other sources that are uh, more credible, frankly, that you can get your news. For the most part, you still have to do some research. And by the way, I am going to get into that. It is amazing how many people, and I'm probably touching on some of you listening right now, you are guilty of this. Where you will see a headline or you will see something that pops up in your Facebook page or on Instagram or Twitter or whatever you use. And you don't do any critical thinking. You'll look at it and go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that that. And then you'll repost it. You'll retweet it. And it's false. And I have a piece of evidence of this of someone relatively well-known who just fell for it and has egg all over his face because there was no other additional research. In my profession, managing money, I'm a certified financial planner. It didn't, uh, years ago, I didn't have to look at a story or look at some analysis and feel like now I have to look at three other sources to make sure that I've really got my finger on this. But I have to do that now. Because the financial websites that I read are so much now clickbait. And I've got an example of that, too, where you read something and if you don't do your own independent research and do some digging, you're going to be misled. Unfortunately, that's a lot of what we are are, are told. And, you know, this whole thing about the virus and vaccines and now with Omicron, there, there's been a lot of stuff that's going on that um, I... I the problem is people tend to put their flag on one side and they won't budge. And it is okay, my friends, to say this is what I believe, but I'm also looking at things that challenge me in that belief. I'm not afraid of that. Omicron has really brought more clarity, I think, to this pandemic, but it's also brought, brought more, I think, confusion because some of what we thought, what we've always been told about this virus, you know what? It's not all all been accurate. And that's okay. That's to be expected when you have something like this. Unfortunately, people are looking back a year and a half ago and say, see, that guy said that a year and a half ago. It turns out he was wrong. So now I believe nothing. Really? You know, using a sports analogy. So, you know, I came of age in the 60s and 70s watching Cardinal baseball and uh, Bob Gibson was my pitching idol since I pitch. I'm left-hander, so really it was Lou Brock in the field and Bob Gibson on the mound. But I went to games where Bob Gibson was horrible. Saw some classics too. Saw a Bob Force no hitter. I was talking to Kevin Wheeler about that a few minutes ago. Very lucky. But if I saw Bob Gibson have a bad game, do I put my flag down there and go, I don't know whatever anyone's talking about. Bob Gibson's terrible. And I don't care what he did last week or won the Cy Young Award last year. No, he's terrible. That's what I saw. No, you take it all in context and you put it all together and you say, no, the, the package of the evidence in front of me tells me that Bob Gibson was a pretty darn good pitcher, Hall of Fame caliber. And it's the same thing that we do in today's issues. We take one piece of evidence, we draw a line around it, we jump into that circle and we say, that's it. No more evidence needed. There's no gray area. Well, sorry, folks. Life doesn't work that way, right? It's okay to acknowledge that vaccines save lives. I know, I know some on the far side, on this side, say, no, no, I, I've, I've read vaccines have killed people. No, actually, they haven't. But it's also okay to acknowledge that vaccines have their limitations. It's okay to say that. You can do both. You don't have to be black or white or all into one side. You know, we were told that vaccines would severely curtail, if not completely halt, the spread of the virus. And it turns out that's not entirely true. And that's okay. I have been triple vaxxed. I believe in vaccinations. I wish all of you who think somehow that it's a terrible thing, would do research and realize it would be great if all of us were vaccinated. However, what we're told about vaccinations being the end-all, be-all, save-all is not entirely true. It didn't quite work out that way. It's a both-and. It's okay. Vaccines save lives, especially for those of you who have pre-existing conditions, right? But it's also not stopping the spread, as it turns out, especially with this variant. You're going to hear a lot of this thing. I'm setting this up because this is something that's really, really important to me. It has bothered me a long time. I decided, you know what? I got the microphone until 10 o'clock tonight, and I really want to dig into this and try to really hit home how important it is for for the for for all of us as americans to stop going down the rabbit hole on the internet and just surround yourself with one viewpoint and all of a sudden your own reality becomes warped and you don't know it and it's dangerous come out do your own research stay above ground tell yourself it's okay to be challenged and engage in just reasonable discussions. Don't be afraid with people who have differing opinions. I change my mind every once in a while on things. I bought into the whole thing before that I know if we all got vaccines, that would just kill the virus and it just wouldn't go anywhere. Well, we know that's not entirely true. We do know that it saves lives. And I wish everybody would get it. Not government mandates, but I wish everybody really would go get it because it does actually it lessens the severity, and it can save lives, especially for those with pre-existing conditions. All right, that's that's sort of setting it all up, man. Starting off heavy tonight here. Yeah, this is uh, not exactly the the uh, dollars and cents show, is it? On this particular subject matter, after I come back from this break, did you see the um, the event or hear about it? Down in Dallas, Bill O'Reilly and Donald Trump and the former president jeered and booed by many of the people who just think he walks on water. And it was because of vaccines. There's something underlying that issue, though, that I found very fascinating and interesting. And it tells me Donald Trump is running again in 2024. I didn't think that 48 hours ago. I've completely changed my mind, and I'll explain why when we come back. You're listening to At Your Service. My name is Dave Simon. Stay with us.
1: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart Shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply. Selling a little or a lot.
0: I like hosting the nightly show because they they play better music than we have in those music bumps on the weekends. I'm going to have to talk to somebody about that. All right, and I man, do I miss live shows. Um, I, I had tickets to a couple of shows this year and um, had nothing to do with the um, COVID or anything that I couldn't make it, but I had to give away tickets at the last minute on two shows that I was supposed to go to this year, one at Riverport and where was the other one? Oh, at the pageant. And um, so the last show I ever went to was Little Big Town at the Fox in February of 2020, right before all heck broke loose. And now before you all think I'm a big country music fan, uh, not, not really. I'm a rock guy. But there are some country music Bands that that have a rock element to them, and Little Big Town is one of them. My wife is the big country music fan, so that's where we can compromise. She, she'll she never go to some of my harder rock stuff. So where we compromise on the rock side is more of the the classic rock of the 70s and 80s, so of Ario Speedwagon or Journey or Styx or somebody like Foreigner, Night Ranger, you know, some of those old classic bands that are still touring. She'll go with me to that. But if I want to go see Seether opening for Breaking Benjamin, I got to find somebody else. And at my age, I'm about to turn 60, people my age don't go to those shows. (laughs) I'm going with people like 20, 30 years younger than me, and I'm okay with that. So anyway, I appreciate the rock music tonight. All right, back to the task at hand. Uh, By the way, my name is Dave Simons filling in tonight on At Your Service. Yes, the um, dollars and cents guy from Sunday's getting to spread his wings a little bit, and that includes pointing out one thing that um, has really struck me over the last few days regarding the former president, Donald J. Trump. I don't know if you heard this news. Probably you did. But uh, the the tour just wrapped up called the History Tour, where Bill O'Reilly and Donald Trump were touring uh, certain cities. It seemed like mainly in the South, I, I think. It seemed like that way anyway. And the last stop was in Dallas on Sunday. And what they do is they, the two of them get chairs up on a stage and, and and they just talk and it's a little bit of an interview format. And O'Reilly just came right out at some point and started talking about the vaccine. And we all know that, that uh, Trump and his wife, Melania were vaccinated early in uh, January of this year. And he, it's it, it really seemed like he wanted to hide that. He he knew a lot of his base really skeptical of this whole mandate and vaccine and they didn't trust the science and all that. And Trump kind of he knows his base and, you know, I, 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 I want to get vaccinated and I and I did get vaccinated, but I better not make that public. It, it eventually came out and he confirmed it. However, one thing he did say a couple of months ago was, but I'm not getting I'm not going to get the booster. So O'Reilly asked him about that. And Trump said, "Yeah, I I I've been boosted." And he said it very proudly. And then all of a sudden you start hearing these jeers and some boos. Now it wasn't the whole place. A lot of the media is acting like the whole place just started booing and throw, throwing stuff up on stage. It just it wasn't like that, but you could clearly hear some agitation among his followers. They didn't like that their leader said and admitted that he actually got a third shot. And so Bill O'Reilly was interviewed on another show, host Dan Abrams. And I think this was on Monday, the day after. And Abrams was saying, was Trump bothered by that? And O'Reilly said, quote, I told him that uh, today and he called me. I said, this is good for you. This is good that people see another side of you, not a political side. You told the truth. You believe in the vax. Your administration did it, and you should take credit for it because it did save, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of lives. So I'm trying to tell President Trump, run on your record. He's going to run all right. End quote. That's according to Bill O'Reilly. I'll circle back to that in just a second. But it doesn't end there. This is very fascinating to me. It's... Notice that things are changing with the former president a little bit. <laughs> is, is this something that's going to stick around? I don't know, I'm skeptical, but there's a there's a there's something going on here because after the president disclosed to this crowd on Sunday that he had received this booster, New York Times reporter Maggie Haberman. Now, Maggie is, let's say, not a big fan of the former president. The two of them have really butted heads. No surprise, as your reporter of the New York Times. So, Maggie reached out to a Trump Trump spokeswoman and asked, why did the president change his message on this whole vaccine booster because he just suggested in September that he's not going to get boosted and you know what Donald Trump did he sent her a handwritten note this didn't come from a spokesperson this came from the former president himself and he wrote and I quote handwritten note Maggie Dash must tell the truth underlined by the way that was underline must tell the truth and very proud to have produced the three vaccines so quickly. <laughs> Just let that sink in for a second. Very proud to have produced the three vaccines so quickly. Millions of lives saved worldwide. Best wishes, Donald. Do you see another side that's happening here? Reaching out to a New York Times reporter and 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 being really cordial, no fake media, no media enemy of the people. And this is one of his biggest antagonists, Maggie Haberman of the New York Times. Maggie, I'm proud of this. And I must tell the truth. Best wishes, Donald. And then comes Joe Biden. If you saw his speech uh, yesterday, it was yesterday, these days, yeah, Tuesday. Um, man, the days run together so quickly. Um, Biden was talking about the vaccine and he says, quote, thanks to the prior administration and our scientific community, America is one of the first countries to get the vaccine. End quote. Think about that. Thanks to the prior administration. There's a little bouquet of roses from the current president. To his predecessor. What do you think Donald Trump's response was? To old sleepy Joe, as he called him, a guy that Trump can't stand and you know the feeling is mutual. Do you think Trump ignored it? Do you think he said, I don't care? Oh, now he's trying to make nice with me? Or do you think that he actually made nice back to Joe Biden? I want to dig into that because the answer is is the thing that tells me that Donald Trump I think now, will likely run in 2024 because of the answer. I'll explain when we come back with more at your service right after this. Stay with us. All right, welcome back. Um, boy, I, I say Night Ranger, and, you know, you ask, and it's delivered at my doorstep here. You know, it is amazing. Think about this for a second. So one of the great albums of all time, Led Zeppelin 4, take a look at it. It's like a greatest hits album. Came out in 1971, 50 years ago. It just celebrated its 50th anniversary. Uh, Locally, one of the great bands that a lot of local rockers love is Ario Speedwagon, you know, kind of Midwestern band out of Champaign, Illinois, and their first album that they ever came out with was in 1971. So I start thinking about 1971, and I look back and realize how many great albums were released in 71. Now, I was a, I was a kid. I was nine years old at the time, but just starting to kind of get into music a little bit. And you realize how many bands from 71 are still touring today. Now, they don't all have the same members, of course. Um... In 1971, in fact, for REO, the only original member even still with him is Neil Dowdy, who's across the river, I believe, from Belleville, Illinois. Kevin Cronin didn't even join him until the second album. They came out in 72. But um, Rolling Stones, of course, a lot of those same guys, but not, not, not all of them, of course. The, the, I bring that up because if you're in—let's go back to 1971. This This stuff is— fascinates me and this is why my brain is so active it just is just always like going 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 and so I, I think about like 1971 what if music artists from 1921 were touring in 71 that didn't happen like hey do you, it's 1971 do you know Al Jolson's coming by to to to, to play here and Al Jolson what or or some, whatever was the big music of the day in the late 19-teens. Oh, yeah, that band that was big in World War One. Here it is in the early 70s. I, I got to go see them. It's laughable, right? I remember in the mid-80s, when I'm in my mid-20s, the Beach Boys came through. And I mocked them. And the people who were going to see the Beach Boys, because they had been around for 20 years... And all the old fogies who are now in their 40s were going to see the Beach Boys. And, of course, that was never going to happen to me. And here I am, next year turning 60, and my the bands of my youth from the 70s, and, yes, even into the 80s, those that are still touring, I still buy their tickets. So when ario and Styx and Loverboy... Are coming by to Riverport, and yes, I still call it Riverport. Uh, guess who bought tickets? I'm guilty. I'm a loser. I admit it. Everything that I mocked, I now live out. But that's life, right? We're supposed to get older and wiser and realize, yeah, we don't. We're not so cool after all. Anyway, I just thought about that when the Night Ranger thing came. Up. Okay, so back to what I was talking about before. See how my brain gets all. This goes from one thing to the other. We need to keep it focused here. Um, so Donald Trump. I had talked about the fact that Joe Biden yesterday addressing the, the the nation. And he was talking about the vaccine and Omicron and Omicron, however you want to pronounce it. And he thanked the prior administration for all the work of getting the vaccine out so quickly. And Donald Trump is wherever he's sitting His jaw probably dropped. Wow. So he's on Fox News. Donald Trump is. uh, Last night. And they asked him about it. Hey, Biden threw out uh, a bouquet of roses at you, man. He didn't necessarily mention you by name, but he was talking about you. He said, quote, I'm very appreciative of that. I was surprised to hear it. I think it was a terrific thing. And I think it makes a lot of people happy. I think he did something very good. You know, it has to be a process of healing in this country, and that will help a lot. And then he was asked about those who are hesitant to receive a COVID vaccine, which I don't have any hard evidence, more anecdotal evidence, but I think most people would probably agree that the majority of people who say, I don't trust the vaccine, I don't want it, probably are more likely to support Trump than Biden. I think that's a fair assessment. So he was asked about it and he said again, quote, well, you have to embrace it. You don't have to do it and there cannot be mandates and all those things, but you have to embrace it. And that's when I turned to my wife and I said, he's running. She said, he's running. What he? you? Yeah. Donald Trump, I believe, is now going to run in 2024. This is all calculated. You think this is by accident? Trump, who was very, very careful on the one hand to say, I'm the guy behind the vaccines, but on the other hand, had no problem embracing some of the folks who believe in the conspiracies about it. He tried to have it both ways because he knew his supporters were more on the conspiracy side of things. The Alex Jones InfoWars crowd, kind of what I call the loony bin crowd over here. He knows that a lot of those folks support him. He could not make them mad. And now he's up on stage and he's saying, I got the booster. And then when they start jeering him, he said he puts his hand up and he goes, no, 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 no. He tries to shut him down. It's like, no, listen to me. He goes on Fox News. You got some people there who have been very, very vocal about let's not trust all the science out there. And he's telling him, no, you you have to embrace this. Then he sends that little nice note to the reporter at the New York Times. All the best, Donald. A a woman who has just absolutely excoriated him every day of his four-year term. And now he's making nice with her. This is not by accident. I think he realizes that he cannot really cater to only a certain group of people anymore. Because America has really... We've grown accustomed to this virus and COVID and its variants, and we know what works and what doesn't work. The majority of Americans, he doesn't need to kowtow to just this small conspiracy crowd anymore if he's going to be elected. If he wasn't running, why why would he do this? Why? He's got his fans out there. He would just continue to kind of hang out with them. This is just my opinion, all right? It's just my opinion. But let me end on this part about Donald Trump, because this comes back to who the essence of the man is. I find this fascinating. You know, My daughter's a psychologist. I love talking to her about this and different personalities. So at the end of the interview on Fox News, Donald Trump says this. Speaking about Joe Biden and what Biden said, crediting Trump's administration for the the quickness of getting these vaccines out quote. It is a little tough to be overly critical now because he Biden just thanked us for the vaccine and thanked me for what I did. You know, that's a first. So it is very tough for me to be overly critical now. And I'm looking at that and I'm trying to put in context what he just said. So I then read the written word of that and I read it over. I, I, I read it many times, and I just thought, yep, this is the essence. Look, my friends, I don't care if you love Donald Trump or you can't stand the guy. That's not my point. I really don't care. We all have our opinions. I have mine. You don't need to hear my opinion. Everybody's got one on this. But I think one thing that we can all agree on with this man is he likes to be liked. He needs to be liked. He wants to be adored and admired. Now, we all do to some degree. You don't wake up in the morning and say, man, I can't wait to be hated today. I'm going to do everything I can in my power for people to dislike me. But Donald Trump has made an art form of this, of demanding to be respected and loved and liked. And if you don't, He will go after you in a very ballistic way. That's just a fact. I don't care if you like him or hate him or whatever. I think that's one thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we all agree on that. So it's interesting that Joe Biden, for the first time that I've ever heard, actually, even without mentioning Donald Trump's name, basically gave the guy credit by saying, hey, you know, the prior administration did a pretty good thing. Operation Warp Speed, all right, really got this thing going with the vaccine. And Trump's going, I love this guy (laughs) because he said something nice about me. So let me read that again. After everything that I just explained, now let's put this all in context. Donald Trump said, it is a little tough to be overly critical now because he just thanked us for the vaccine. And he thanked me for what I did. You know, that's a first. So it is very tough for me to be overly critical now. Yet another reason I think the guy is, is, is seriously thinking about running. I think he's trying to maybe have a legacy where he can say in a few years, let's say during the primary, to say, no, I always believed in the vaccine. Hey, I, if it wasn't for me in Operation Warp Speed, we would have never had it. I went up on stage in front of my beloved followers, and I and they didn't like it. But, man, I looked at him, and I said, I got boosted. And I did all these things, and so I, it, it's. We'll see. That's a long way out, isn't it? So anything can change. For what I do for a living, and have to understand how legislation affects financial markets, and um, sort of the, the 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 political atmosphere might affect stock markets and bond markets. I'm focusing more on what about 11 months from now or so 10 and a half months from now the midterm elections so i really am not focused at all on the presidential election but this is this is the thing that really stuck out at me all right when we come back one thing that 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 trump if he indeed is really trying to run and i already sort of mentioned this really in close with some of the conspiracy crowd he doesn't really need them i think he thinks he does As if I'm actually coaching Trump here, he doesn't listen to anybody. But if I were coaching him, I would tell him, you don't need those guys because they're going down rabbit holes into conspiracies. And I think the rest of the country is tired of it. And we're mocking those people. And I want to address it when we come back because somebody who's relatively well-known, a guy I respected, has sort of gone down that rabbit hole. It's it's really unfortunate because a lot of people that I always had some respect for have gone really bat you-know-what crazy. They, they really have. And now I don't really even care what they have to say. It's really interesting. And I'm wondering if one of those same guys isn't starting to follow that path. And you wonder now, is Trump wanting to distance himself from some of these people? Very fascinating, which we'll, do, we'll talk right after this. My name is Dave Simons. And um, I am filling in tonight on At Your Service. Glad to do it. Fellow St. Louisan, Lusher Elementary, Hazelwood West Junior High, Wentzville High School, University of Missouri-Columbia. Yes, I just answered all your St. Louis questions. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Dave Simons with you this evening. It is 852 in St. Louis. So good of you to tune us in here on Camo X. Um, So right before we broke, I had uh, quickly just thrown out the various schools that I've gone to um, as we moved around. And I don't know of anyone who's lived in more places in the St. Louis area than yours truly. There are various reasons for it. I won't bore you with the details here other than to say, let's just say I didn't exactly grow up in a leave it to beaver environment, uh, a little bit of a non traditional way of growing up. So I, I lived in a lot of different places growing up, and I just was thinking about that again. So, uh, two places in Florissant one, Hazelwood, two, Lake St. Louis. Two in Maryland Heights, Webster Groves, St. Charles, Baldwin, Wildwood, two in Chesterfield. I probably am missing something here. And that's just in St. Louis. There are a couple of times, several times we moved. I also lived in... Lawrence, Kansas, in Kansas, Lawrence, Emporia, Hayes, Hutchinson, and Wichita, and Kansas City, Kansas. So there's six places in Kansas um, when I was a kid and younger. On top of all those places I just listed in St. Louis, oh, and let me add Little Rock, Arkansas, and outside of London, England in 1972 and 73. So... When I mention those various schools, I'm not even talking about, uh, like, attending school in another country at the same, you know, throwing in all that. So I, it, I think actually that really helped me as an adult because I am a very adaptive person. The, the bad side of it is I get restless very easily, and I've really had to battle that, and it drives my wife crazy. Because as an adult, I I wanted to move. I'm like, okay, I, we've been in this house three years. We we got to go. So I set a record, man. Our 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 last house, 17 years. 17 years we raised our kids. Now we just downsized. So I'm in another house, which I I didn't even count that on the list of other ones. So I got better as I got older. But um, we uh, we I think our family basically kept United Van Lines in, in business, just the Simons family all of those years. All right, um, one of the other things that I just love to do, love it, constantly, what when I'm, when I'm not at work is, is reading, 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 reading. I also love watching documentaries. I love watching movies based on real events. I'm not a fiction guy. I don't know why. I'm just not. I read my last fiction book in the early 90s. I really did. Um, And so one of the great books I really loved is that Hillbilly Elegy by J.D. Vance It was a great book, and it really spoke to the underprivileged in certain areas of this country, like in the hills of West Virginia. And um, and it gained a lot of attention. Well, as you may now know, J.D. Vance is running for U.S. Senate in Ohio. Uh, which I believe he's—he was originally from West Virginia. Maybe he started in Ohio or whatever. But yeah, there, it, it's legit. I mean, he's—he's he's a resident of Ohio, even though a lot of what he was writing about was uh, in the hills of, of West Virginia. But when we come back, I—I want to dig into a little bit about what JD Vance now is doing, and um, it, it, there's a bigger there's a bigger thing to talk about here. It's not so much J.D. Vance, but it's what's happening to many of us here in America. So stay with us. News, weather, and sports at the top of the hour.